doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people. This is a major pain. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Sydney about Friedrich's ataxia, or FA. Friedrich's ataxia is a degenerative, inherited neuromuscular disease. Most FA patients develop symptoms in childhood, and Sydney started exhibiting symptoms around 7 or 8 years old and was diagnosed when she was 10. Like many people with FA, Sydney initially had difficulty walking and some instability, and by the time she was 15, she was a full-time wheelchair user. Sydney is now 21, and she is the CEO of her own social media company. She just got engaged, and she's a truly fantastic person that I was so excited to talk to. Her perspective is so valuable to be shared because she has an emotional awareness and empathy that is far beyond most 21-year-olds. She'll talk to us about what it's like to grow up with a degenerative disease and the knowledge that people with this disease have a shortened life expectancy. She'll also tell us about the effect this disease has had on her family. Since this is a genetic condition, her brother also has Friedrich's ataxia. Both of her parents were unknowing carriers of FA, since this is a recessive genetic trait. This is another disease that I had never heard of before having this conversation, and it was really, really wonderful to be able to talk to Sydney. I learned a lot. She's a wonderful person. I'm so excited and grateful that she's on the show, and we'll get to that conversation in just a couple minutes. So last week, I was unable to get a show out because I was having a liver biopsy, and I received several messages and well wishes from people. Thank you all so much. It was much appreciated. The biopsy went very well, and I have spent the last few days recovering. I'm already back up and about and doing things again, which is great, and back making another episode, which I'm very excited to be doing. I do not yet have the results of my biopsy. It will be at least a week, maybe two, according to the uh, the people I spoke with at the hospital, before I get the results. I am once again in this bizarre limbo where it's possible that I could get a diagnosis or information leading towards a diagnosis within the next few days, or not. <laughs> or it might be back to the drawing board. I really don't know. I'm really hopeful that we'll get some information from this biopsy, but you know, it's impossible to say until I have the results. And I don't even know if I'm going to get the results directly or if I'm going to have to wait until I can talk to my doctor. So, you know, I really don't know how long it's going to be, but fingers crossed it'll be happening soon. Although I wasn't able to complete an episode to release last week, I was able to put out the bonus episode for the month of February for all of our subscribers on Patreon. Once a month, my partner Andy and I sit down to chat. Uh, We answer questions from the Patreon community. We talk a little bit about what's going on with my health. There's definitely more information shared there than there has been on the main podcast feed, just because I'm waiting until I have all the info so that we can do a full episode um, just talking about what's going on with me here. But if you'd like to get a little bit more behind-the-scenes info before that happens and just hang out with us, talk about movies, TV, our five-year anniversary trip. We answered a question from uh, Stitch Spin about food, which was very fun. Um, So all all of the bonus episodes have been a great time so far. I highly recommend checking it out. If you'd like to support this podcast and get some extra content, you can head over to patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. There are gifts and bonus recognition for our Patreon subscribers, as well as these bonus episodes once a month. Thank you so much to all of you supporting this podcast. Your support is massive and so appreciated. 
And extra special thank you to our Patreon producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Anson Q, and Trish O'Brien for helping to make this podcast possible. We got a comment on our website on our episode from a couple weeks back with Janelle about CRPS, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, that I really wanted to share with you. So this is from Karen. Just grateful for some recognition for CRPS slash RSD, as I have suffered with it for 16 years now. Most of my family do not believe in CRPS and think I can just exercise and get better that way. They also think I am an addict because I have to take regular pain medication so that I am not bedbound. It's truly a horrible way to live. Doctors know very little about it. And now that I have moved from Montreal, Quebec, Canada to Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, to be closer to the son that does not believe in CRPS and that it can be cured with exercise, he promised that he would find me a doctor here in Ottawa and has not. I have no doctor, only one in Montreal, which is a three-hour drive one way, so six hours round trip for an appointment. Even my doctor has told me that my anxiety is causing this pain that the pain is not real, so it's been a rough ride. I've been here since September and still have no medical help. Even though there is a pain management clinic here, I can't get to the pain management clinic as you need a family doctor from here to follow you. I don't have that, so it's been more than rough. I'm glad to hear your podcast. And I actually wrote a response to Karen, so here's what I wrote on the website. Karen, I'm so sorry to hear how hard your journey has been. A lot of us in the chronic pain community know what it's like to not be believed by friends, doctors, and loved ones. It never stops hurting to have your physical reality constantly questioned. I'm so sorry you are experiencing that from all sides right now. I have hope that you'll find medical support. It took me switching doctors many times until I found someone willing to help. And I've been thinking about this and I just have to add, you know, I feel so lucky that my loved ones, my family believe me with what's going on in my body because, you know, for a long time it was just me against the world saying, hey, there's pain here, there's something wrong, there's functional issues here. And it's all internal, so no one else can check it, no one else can measure it. It never showed up on any test results until, you know, in the last year when we finally found some issues in my copper levels. And it's it's so hard to believe myself that it's going wrong. You know, it's so hard to accept my own body's input when it tells me what's happening, when doctors are telling me that it's not happening. That's the, that's the danger of medical gaslighting is when you stop believing yourself because your doctor keeps telling you it's not real. And that's so damaging and so hard. But to not have your family believe you on top of that is so difficult. And I really really feel for you, Karen. And I just want you to know that, you know, this podcast, this whole community, everyone who's a part of this believes anyone who says they have chronic pain. As far as I'm concerned, I never question anyone when they tell me they have chronic pain. I say, I believe you, tell me about it. You know, it's not anyone else's place to say whether or not you don't have chronic pain. There's no way to measure that on a test. It either is something you experience or it isn't, and not believing people causes an insane amount of harm. So, we believe you. I'm so sorry you're going through this. CRPS is a real thing. We just talked to Janelle about it on the show. You know, I know you know that, but if it helps at all to have someone else say that out loud in a public setting, even though I have no medical degree, I'm just a guy who hosts a podcast. That is what I very firmly believe. And I'm so sorry that you have to go through that alone. This podcast is here for you. We are here for you. I'm, and, you know, I hope that that helps. And, you know, like I said in my comment, I had to switch doctors so many times over the course of years 
before I finally found someone who would listen to me. But it can be overcome. It, it takes so much time, it takes so much effort, and it's so hard when you're in chronic pain to keep trying to see new doctors. But it can work. It can work. It worked for me. Uh, I've heard other people that it has worked for. It is hard and it is difficult and it's rare, but it can happen. So my message to anyone who is dealing with issues like this with their doctors is just try new doctors. Keep trying new doctors. You know, exhaust all of the options of the doctors at your medical center. And if you don't find someone, switch medical centers entirely. That's what I did. I switched from, uh, I used to go to Pacific Medical Center. I switched to University of Washington. And the first person I saw at University of Washington changed my life. So, don't be afraid to switch medical centers entirely. I know insurance is wrapped up in this, and the whole thing is just this big bundled mess, but, you know, this is your life and your your well-being that we're talking about, and it is worth fighting for. So, I feel like it, you never be afraid to switch doctors, and you, you're going to get lucky someday. It just might take a long time. And the medical science is changing. People, the, the acceptance of chronic pain because of what's going on with law and COVID, you know, the whole medical system is going through a shift right now. And of course, right now it's very strapped because there are so many people sick with COVID. But, um, but the, the attitudes around chronic illness and chronic pain are changing. So keep trying, keep fighting, and things can change for the better. So Karen, thank you for leaving a comment on the website. It really means a lot to me to hear from people who listen to this show. That's the fuel that keeps me going. More than anything else is feeling like getting these stories out there is having any sort of positive impact on other people with chronic pain or chronic illness or disability. You know, that really fuels me. So I really appreciate it, Karen. If anyone else who listens would like to leave a comment, you can do so on any episode of the podcast on our website, majorpainpodcast.com. And the last thing I'll say before we hop into our episode today is that my guest and I are not medical professionals. Do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this show without first consulting your doctor. Or maybe switch doctors and consult that doctor, but definitely consult a doctor. <laughs> All right, well, we got a great conversation for you today. So let's jump over to our discussion with Sydney about Friedrich's ataxia. Sydney, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today. You are mm -hmm. a friend of Maya, uh, aka I'm a roll with it. And she reached out and said, I know someone who would be awesome for the podcast. And it was you. <laughs> yes, I love Maya. I'm actually meeting her in person uh, next month. Oh, really wow. <laughs> Very cool. Tell her I said hi. Um, <laughs> so, Sydney, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, well, my name is Sydney. I'm 21 years old. I actually just got engaged a few weeks ago Congrats. to my boyfriend. And <laughs> I have two little French bulldog puppies. And yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I saw your engagement photos on Instagram. <laughs> How long have you two been dating? Uh, about two and a half years. Wow. And what are your, uh, what are your bulldog's names? Uh, one is named Billy Jean <laughs> and the other is named Romeo. Cute. <laughs> are you a Michael Jackson fan? Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's written several of my all-time favorite songs. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Sydney, what is your major pain? Um, well, I have a disability called Friedrichsadaxia, 
It's very rare and it's a progressive neuromuscular disease. So I was born with it, but um, it gets worse over time. So I didn't actually start to exhibit any of the symptoms until I was around seven or eight years old. And then um, I started having like trouble walking and bad balance. And I was just like really clumsy. Hmm. And then I got diagnosed with the pain, which is a neuromuscular disorder. So it affects all your nerves and all your muscles. And over time, I slowly lost my ability to walk. So I started using a wheelchair full time when I was about 15 years old and I'm 21 now. So it's still, um, I'm still continuing to get worse over time. Right now, there is no cure or treatment for FA, but they are doing a lot of research. So hopefully we'll have one soon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. can you tell me a little, I'm, I mean, I know you're not a medical professional, but can mm-hmm. you tell me anything about mm-hmm. how Friedrich's ataxia works on the body? Like, is there any sort of yeah. a... You know, it, it sounds like it's a s- systemic disease. Um, yeah. But w- what do you know about how it works? So it's a genetic condition. Um, it's a recessive trait. So both my parents were carriers without knowing it. And so I have it. And actually my older brother also has it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So it pretty much makes you produce lower levels of a protein called protaxin, which in turn doesn't let you produce enough, like, I'm not a scientist, (laughs) but um, it just causes your muscles to weaken over time Mm. and your nervous system to weaken over time, so you slowly lose all of your feeling and your coordination and your walking abilities, it kind of affects everything in the body. Um, So I had scoliosis. I have um, a lot of people have diabetes. Luckily, I don't have diabetes yet, but there's a lot of things that come with it. all I can really say is it kind of affects everything in your body. Even down to, I just had to get glasses because my eyesight is getting worse. And um, I'm sure you can hear it affects your speech. Um, pretty much everything just kind of worsens over time. Yeah. How do you mm-hmm. feel about that? I mean, that's a really mm-hmm. difficult thing to live with. Yeah, um, I was diagnosed when I was 10 years old, so I've kind of been living with it for the past 11 years, Mm -hmm. so I've kind of gotten used to it. Sure. But, I mean, it's, um, I don't really know how to answer that, honestly. Yeah. Um, I just kind of try to continue living my life as anyone else would, I guess. Yeah. I mean, what other choice do you have? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So you said you started displaying symptoms when you were around seven years old? Yes. And I'm curious about how your parents feel about this. I mean, this is a difficult thing mm-hmm. to, to both be carriers mm-hmm. and not know it and then have both of your children have this disease. Yeah, so um, I actually, I have two older biological siblings. Oh, okay. My older sister does not have FA. She's 31 years old now. And so far, she shows no signs of it. But my older brother, who is five years older than me, he was diagnosed whenever he was 10 years old. Hmm. I was five years old. And um, my mom actually got a hysterectomy whenever he was diagnosed because she didn't want to pass the gene on anymore because um, she didn't know she was the carrier of it until my brother was diagnosed. Yeah. But I was already born, so it was kind of too late for me. Um, but it's really hard on them, obviously, having two disabled kids. Um, I mean, it's taking a toll on them a lot, really on my whole family. I mean, it's not easy for anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's tough because there's, you know, there's no fault. No one did anything mm-hmm. wrong. And it is so rare that no one in my family had ever even heard of FA or yeah. no one in my mom's side or my dad's side. So when they ended up both being carriers, it was such a shock to everyone. So we had like never heard of it. Yeah. Um, it took my brother like years to get diagnosed. It was easy for me because we already knew that my brother had it, so mm. we knew what I had. But um, it it's so rare that it took years for him to get a diagnosis. Yeah, totally. I mean, mm. I I can only imagine. You know, that doctors mm. seem to be trained in the most common things, and then when you have something mm. rare, it can be so hard to get a diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. Um, and still, anytime I go and see like a new doctor, I pretty much have to explain to them what FA is because most of them have never heard of it. Yeah. Until they met me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that must be so frustrating to have to educate all of your doctors. I mean, that's um, kind of one of my goals with social media is just to spread awareness about FA and so people more people know about it and it's not just unknown yeah, you know absolutely mm-hmm. has it been in some ways uh helpful for you to have a family member with the same disease because you 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 know someone else with your rare rare disease mm-hmm. you know and it is so rare um yeah. I, I've talked to some people with rare diseases that have never met someone else with their disease but but you have a family member yeah um it's i always say it's bittersweet because i do have someone that i can relate to and that's really awesome but at the same time you know it is my brother and he's older 
So I kind of, I don't know if it's like good or a bad thing, but like I get to watch kind of what happens to mm, him. Yeah. And I know that's what's going to happen to me. So it's like a very sad, but also I can kind of prepare myself. So it's, it's good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, mm. do you, do you two ever talk about it and commiserate together? Uh, we have occasionally, most of the time we just try to live our life and not dwell on it too much. Yeah. Of we, course. we both know what's going to happen, you know? So we just try to push forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think about the future much or you just try to stay in the present? Oh, I do think about it for sure. Um, I just try my best to, um, like, I'm going to physical therapy and trying to keep up my strength and trying to, I guess, prolong the symptoms as long as I can. But I know what's eventually going to happen. It's... I mean, it's inevitable, so. Yeah, it, do you mind telling us about about the, the mm -hmm. prognosis of this disease? Yeah, so it's very different for every individual with FA. Um, also, there's so much unknown about FA. It's still being researched. Like, to this day, there's new discoveries. Mm. But um, on average, the lifespan is about 35 years old mm. um normally uh you slowly lose all of your feeling and mobility in your limbs and it kind of spreads from your limbs up to your heart and normally heart disease is what ends up finally killing you but um I mean, there's a lot that happens until then. Um, like right now, I have a lot of pain, especially in my legs from like neuropathy and uh, muscle loss and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's just, just uh, kind of slowly getting more and more like bedridden i guess you could say mm. has this changed your well i'm changed this is your life you know how, mm. how has this influenced your outlook on life compared to your your friends other people your age that you know so um definitely a lot i actually lost once i started using a wheelchair and High school, I kind of lost all my friends, oh. and um, I was kind of a loner in high school because, like, nobody wants to be friends. But that taught me a lot of like compassion and maybe want to be friends with those people who may be a little different and don't really have friends. Like it, it just made me more open and understanding and 
it also just made me appreciate everything a lot more than others, I think. So, I mean, I, I would definitely be a totally different person. I'd probably be like the popular, not nice girl. <laughs> but luckily, I'm not that now. Yeah. Oh man, that makes me so mad that you know I I am a, a ambulatory wheelchair user, so I you know I need a wheelchair sometimes, but not other times. And I have seen yeah. how the world treats you differently when you're in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. But just thinking about you in high school and having was it just like a switch was flipped? You show up in a wheelchair and people just start avoiding um, you. So I was also an ambulatory user for a couple of years. Mm. Um, when I was like 14, 15 years old. And then, so I went to school, like walking at school, uh, my ninth grade year. And then that summer I had scoliosis, uh, spine surgery. Mm. And after that, I started using wheelchair, not because of the surgery, but just because it was like time and I didn't want to fall and hurt myself more. Yeah. So uh, my 10th grade year, I just showed up the first day in a wheelchair and most people hadn't seen me in one and it was kind of a big shock to everyone. Not a big shock because I was already walking. I was walking, but I had really bad balance and I was really clumsy. And you could see that I, I didn't walk normally, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I just know once I showed up in that wheelchair, all of my friends kind of like dissipated. And no one like really talked to me anymore. Yeah, it's so upsetting. I mean, our mm. our society has this streak in it where it, it if you're different, then you're bad. You know. Yeah. And if there's if there's any difference, then I can't be associated with you because you're different. And mm -hmm. it's just absolute poison. You know, it, it's the root of yeah. so many problems in our society. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel lucky that I don't feel that way. You know, when, when yeah. I see someone who's different from me, I get excited because I want to learn about their life. Yeah. And I, I, you know, there's no matter how different we are, we're always in some ways the same. We're all human. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it just makes me so upset that our society can't seem to look beyond differences to find common humanity and to you know, appreciate each other, even though we are different. Um, mm. And I feel like that's something that people with chronic illness, people with disability uh, have, have learned in a way that almost anyone else mm. hasn't, you know, is like, yeah. is that when you accept other people, there's so much love and so much life that can be had from, mm. from embracing people with differences and yeah. and showing compassion and empathy and mm -hmm. it i mean from the way you're talking it really sounds like that's something that you've taken away from from everything mm -hmm. that you've been through oh yeah definitely 
Yeah. And that shapes who, who we are as people, you know, and that's like mm-hmm. part of the reason I'm doing this show is to kind of tell people <laughs> the outcome of, of those experiences without other people having to live through them. Because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just know for myself that when my health became more of a problem than it used to be, my empathy grew and I, I kind of was mm-hmm. mad at myself for how I used to act or think about things because it was, mm-hmm. it was wrong and it was from a place of, you know, of health and ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. So there are, you know, there's always, there's always like this balance. There's always these good things that come uh, from having to live through health challenges. Mm. But is, is that something that you feel or is it, is it hard to feel that? Oh no, I agree with like everything you said. I mean, it, it's like you were kind of forced to grow up sooner mm-hmm. than everyone else. Which I see as a very good thing because, um, like you said, we're able to be more compassionate and more empathetic than most, especially teenagers in my case. Um, I grew up in a very small town, so most people weren't very accepting of anyone different. And I'm glad I was kind of forced to not be a part of that, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Absolutely. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in San Diego and I miss it. You know, I'm having dreams about it recently. It's always going to be a part Mm -hmm. of me. But there is like, there's a element of the culture in San Diego where people are often mocking each other for, Mm -hmm. to make jokes, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. that whole thing of like, you know, uh, like just being mean to each other to show that you yeah. like each other uh, or yeah. just being mean because for me being mean sake, you know, making fun of people for being different. Mm-hmm. And when I moved up to Seattle uh, a little over a decade ago, it's just so different up here and people don't do that. And mm-hmm. I had always hated it, but I didn't even realize that I was doing it. You know, I kept catching yeah. myself uh, mm-hmm. once I moved here, I kept catching myself doing it. And mm-hmm. people would give me funny looks like, who's this asshole? You know, <laughs> I'm like, wow, I, yeah. I am that, you know, like I grew up amongst that and I have internalized mm-hmm. that and become that in some way. And it took me mm-hmm. years to deprogram that from my own personality. Yeah. You know, it's like so mm-hmm. much of who we become is mm-hmm. influenced by the people around us. Yeah, I'm from a very small town and. Louisiana. I don't know if you can tell from my accent, <laughs> but I'm from South Louisiana. So I'm sure you can imagine how Southern people are not very accepting of anyone different. Mm. Um, I mean, especially as a teenager, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That must be so mm-hmm. hard. I mean, you have such a, unique perspective um and i mean it's uh, you're you said you were 21 years old it's obvious that you have also grown up very quickly and reached a level of maturity that i'm sure is uh is distinct among your peers Mm -hmm. (laughs) so tell me about tell me about growing up with this disease i mean do you do you remember much before uh you started having symptoms or is it um, is it just so interwoven with your life that it just feels like it's always been there? Yeah, kind of that. Um, 
I don't really remember before. Um, as far back as I remember, I've always really had, even if it was slight issues, just like it was so difficult to like run whenever I was playing sports or trying to run in like PE class or anything like that. I even have like really bad handwriting and I had trouble like writing when I was in school. Um, and then as I got older, like more towards middle school, like 12, 13 years old, um, that's when I noticeably started having trouble walking where like people could see me and tell that I was different. Whereas before they couldn't really see that there was something going on. Um, but then I, I like to describe it as me being drunk is what <laughs> I look like trying to walk. Cause I just had like no balance really. And I was like kind of wobbling all over the place. Um, so people could kind of see that and they kind of started slowly distancing themselves from me. So like my friend group kind of started getting smaller and smaller. And then um, I started using Vulture at 15 and that was when all of my friends just like vanished pretty much. Um, and then I just kind of spent the rest of high school um i actually spent a lot of that time traveling to go to clinical trials for my disability oh wow um like i said they are doing research and they are looking for a cure um it hasn't been found yet but i did participate in several different trials um None of them worked, but I did participate. Um, I eventually stopped because I graduated high school and then I went to college for two semesters. Um, it was actually totally different when I left high school and I went to college and was surrounded by a lot of older and more mature people um, and also more people from different places and mm -hmm. not all just like the same area. Um, and that was actually when I started to get out more and make more friends. And I met my now fiance there. So yeah. Um, then I left college and started social media, and now here I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so. That's so interesting. What you're saying about mm -hmm. you know coming to a coming to college and meeting people from mm -hmm. all over and yeah, yeah. There, that is that's been my experience as well. Where um, the more time I spend in places where people have come from all over the place. Mm. 
um, all sorts of different, you know, backgrounds and life experiences, you tend mm-hmm. to find more accepting um, and aware uh, culture, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like my high school, um, everyone that I went to school with, I had kind of grown up with, and we had never really been around like other people in wheelchairs. <laughs> so I was kind of like one of the only ones in my class. It was kind of like just, they were like, whoa, what happened? Yeah. You know? What um, kind of wheelchair do you use? Uh, right now, I'm in an electric wheelchair, uh, a permobile one. I'm trying to get a new one right now. I'm finding insurance with that. I'm sure you know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, We I ended up having to get a wheelchair and um, mm-hmm. paying out of pocket, which mm-hmm. my amazing partner helped me with and the massive mm-hmm. gift because... The wheelchair I got through insurance was uh, barely usable, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I couldn't even get them to start the process of trying to get me a wheelchair through insurance. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, you know, that was al- almost a year ago at this point. I still haven't heard back, so we just ended up yeah. having to buy one because it's like I got to yeah. get around, you know. Um, well, because I'm in a wheelchair full time, I have to have like a custom one that's like. To my like, they measure me for it and everything. So it's a long process to try to get one. For sure. How do you feel Mm -hmm. about your wheelchair? I mean, I I love my wheelchair. I love it so Mm -hmm. much because it gives me so much more freedom. Um, How do you feel about yours? That's kind of how I was. Um, I kind of put off using wheelchair for the longest time. I was like, no, I can walk even though I was falling and hurting myself like every day. (laughs) I was like, no, I got this. And then once I finally started using them, I realized how much more freedom I had. And like I could go to the mall and not be like exhausted from trying to walk. You know, it was just like so... Most people think getting a wheelchair makes you like confined to the wheelchair, but for me, it was my freedom and comfort. And yeah, I mean, I love it. Yeah, totally. It's kind of part of me now, you know. Absolutely, yeah. I had the same experience. Mm -hmm. I was shocked by it. You know, I yeah, I found (laughs) I I went from. from no mobility aids to a cane to a wheelchair Mm -hmm. in the course of about two years. Mm -hmm. And the decision to start using a cane was so difficult (laughs) Mm -hmm. because, you know, I, because I don't have a diagnosis, my, it wasn't even like a doctor recommending it. It was just like, I'm really struggling to walk my dog. I need some help. Mm -hmm. Maybe a cane would help. Mm -hmm. And I tried one out and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like this actually works, yeah. you know, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I had spent months thinking about trying it and mm-hmm. just like running into this mental block of, you know, well, you, you need to, you need to stand on your own two feet, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I had that, that streak in me. And then, mm-hmm. um, I got the, the cane. I was like, wow, this makes such a big difference. And then yeah. you know, about a year later, 
as my walking ability was declining, I decided to try out a wheelchair. But and that decision wasn't as hard. It was just it was more of like an excitement of, mm-hmm. you know, I know how much a mobility aid can help me get around. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I have the right one. So maybe if I try mm-hmm. this other one, it'll it'll help more. And it, it's so much better. I mean, I I I wasn't able to like get out and do things under my own power um until until I got the wheelchair for years, you know, and I wish I'd done it mm-hmm. so much sooner. And I love it so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised mm-hmm. by that. You know, the things that are the things that society tells you are gonna be difficult are not often the difficult things. It's yeah. often the the things that society doesn't even know about that are the really hard mm-hmm. things. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any other tools or aids or anything that help you in your daily life? Right now I'm trying to get a transfer board. Um, to help me transfer like in and out of bed and things like that. Um, I just recently got um, KFO leg braces, which um, they're a leg brace that you wear like from your feet to your hip pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, they support your ankle and your knee. So I've been using that. And it actually helps me to stand up. Like whenever I go to physical therapy, I will um, stand up in them. Mm-hmm. And it allows more blood flow in my legs from sitting all the time. Yeah. Because um, before I was, I'm like, I've always been strong enough to stand up, but my ankles can't really support my weight um so that's why i got the braces and um i was struggling really really bad with um pain in my legs from like restless legs and uh nerve pain and muscle spasms um but now that i'm able to stand up with my leg braces it's been helping a lot more with that because I'm like kind of using those muscles where totally. I haven't used them in like five years. So I know this isn't, I guess, important, but it is to me. Um, I got a Dyson Airwrap, which is a hair tool <laughs> and it helps me curl my hair. That's super um, important. Are you kidding? To, I don't have to like, do it i just press a button and it curls it for me yeah awesome. it's really good because i had an incident a few months ago where i was using a regular curling iron and i dropped it in my lap oh and yeah i burnt my thigh wow so this yeah. has been really good it doesn't get hot enough to like burn you um oh awesome that's a great tip yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you're you know, um, you're out there making, you know, influential social media. You gotta have the right hair yeah. hair tools. <laughs> yeah. And I also got a makeup brush that spins like it has a little battery in it. Oh cool. And it spins so it blends your makeup for you. Um that's been a lot easier because with that babe. You also have like uh, poor fine motor skills and 
poor dexterity, so that helps a lot. Um, what else? <laughs> I have a lot of like little things I don't even think about it anymore. I mean, my fiance makes sure to just do little things for me to make my life easier. Like, if we buy food, he'll make sure to open the package so I don't have to worry about trying to open it. Or, so hard to think right now. I don't know. Next question. <laughs> yeah, no, those are those are great. I mean, I I love stuff like that. I love the little things mm-hmm. that make yeah. life a little bit more mm-hmm. manageable. You know, I I mm-hmm. I love finding a device that fits a very specific purpose that makes something easier. I love that kind of stuff. Um, oh, uh, I just bought a wheelchair accessible uh, van. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> So before my older brother, who was also in a wheelchair, um, he was donated a wheelchair accessible van. It's like really old, like uh, it was like five years ago at least. Um, and we are sharing it and we don't live together. So it's really <laughs> hard to like bring him back and forth and. It was really old and like falling apart. So I finally saved up enough money and was able to buy my own. So I bought a uh, a brand new Chrysler Pacifica that I had converted to be wheelchair accessible. So now all you have to do is push a button and the door opens and a ramp comes out the door and then you can just drive up in the van and we took out the passenger seat so i can just drive my wheelchair into the passenger seat spot and lock it in place and then drive or have my fiance drive wow that's really cool Mm -hmm. so you can sit right up front Awesome. Yep. That's very yep. cool. So mm-hmm. so you go to college and then you you meet someone and you fall in love and you get engaged. Mm-hmm. Um can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so um he was actually the first person I ever dated. Really? Because um until college no one ever really talked to me or anything. Um I had kind of talked to a few people before him but he was my first like relationship um so we started dating well we started we met at a party and through like mutual friends and then we became good friends um and friends with benefits and then (laughs) we started dating and we're dating for a few months and then we moved into our first apartment then we got our first dog then we moved to a bigger apartment then we got our second dog and now we're engaged (laughs) wow that's so cool (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, I mean, life is life will throw anything at you. You know, life is tough, yeah. but yeah. having love in your life is is the thing that can hold it all together. Definitely. How how has that changed your life to have this relationship? Um, I've never really had anyone to like, I guess, talk to or like anyone that I was comfortable enough to like open up to. So having that person was very different, but in a good way. Um, it definitely took a little while for me to open up, but I got there eventually. <laughs> um, I mean, even still, I'll be like embarrassed about little things, but my disease and my fiance will be like, it, it's fine. Like, I didn't even notice, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, it's just um, really great to not be doing all of this alone anymore. Um, I kind of have someone to lean onto if I need it, um, which I do need it a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So it's been That's really good to have someone else there. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Is it hard mm -hmm. for you to lean on someone i know that that's something i've had to navigate in my own uh relationship is you know when i need help asking for help mm -hmm. not feeling trying not to feel guilty about it but always feeling a little guilty about it is that something yeah. you struggle with oh yeah definitely especially in the beginning um it kind of got to the point where my fiance was like just let me help you, damn it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard, you know. It's it, it's hard to let go of some of that, you know. I think mm -hmm. that's that's something else that's like really programmed into us in society. And also like for like for me when I when I can do something for myself, I want to because there's things that I can't yeah. do for myself. So mm -hmm. knowing when to let those things go and ask for help is really hard. It's really, it's a big challenge. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I like to be as independent as possible. I guess for me, it's kind of like when I start hurting myself, like getting hurt a lot, trying to do something or just get like really exhausted trying to do something then i'm like okay let me ask for help like even though i can do it it's very difficult so let me just ask for help <laughs> yeah and if you're pushing through a point where you're running out of energy and you just like well i can yeah. do it but it will exhaust me it will like tax mm -hmm. the last of my energy it could be yeah. days before you can do it again you know, whatever mm. it is. So it it's yeah. so important to to balance that energy usage and to manage that. Mm -hmm. um, as hard as it is, it's very very important. Mm. So you mentioned spending um, spending more and more time in bed, and this is something that I do a lot of as well. <laughs> so what yeah. what do you do? What are the things that you do when you have a day where you just need to lie down for 
most of the day? Uh, well, recently we invested in a new mattress that um, you can like raise mm. up and down with yeah. the remote. Nice. So um, luckily we got that because we knew I was going to be spending more and more time in bed. So whenever I'm too tired to like sit up or whatever, if I'm not like sleeping in bed, I will sit up and um, then I, I'm still able to like be on my phone or be on my iPad or whatever I need to do. But I'm, you know, in bed. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like, are you on like TikTok or YouTube? Like what are your, uh, what are your escapes? Um, I'm on everything like work wise. Um, I also just, I like to watch Netflix and like <laughs> just, I will watch a whole series and like one day. My favorite thing though is to watch Netflix while I'm working like at the same time. Yeah. So I'll, I watch so much because <laughs> I like, I'll watch a whole series in one day because I'm like, working at the same time so yeah i i love to that, that's the ultimate in relaxation is watching a show while doing something with your hands yeah. you know? like i love to mm -hmm. like play a video game on my nintendo switch while mm -hmm. watching frazier <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so for when you mentioned working is this is this your social mm -hmm. media work yes yeah tell um, me about it um i actually um, I own my own company um, as of just like a month ago. I now have my own company. Um, it's registered like as an LLC. Uh, I have five employees now. Um, so what we do is just create content for TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, um, OnlyFans, um, as well as my merchandise website, um, where I create products and designs and sell them. So I have all of that going on, which is a lot to like do all at one time. So I have kind of um, an employee over like each social media to kind of help me manage and stuff. So I'm constantly either creating content, coming up with new ideas for content, or just um, managing all of my employees. Um, I guess my technical term is a CEO. <laughs> But yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, but, but it's fun. <laughs> it sounds like you've you've created something that gives you, you know, some something to pursue, a passion, some meaning. Yeah, because yeah, um, I always like to say I kind of 
hire people to do like the not fun parts <laughs> of social media and then i get to do the fun parts of like creating content yeah so i pay people to do the the more business side and then i get to do the fun parts. <laughs> yes that's that's my mm-hmm. dream <laughs> yeah. i'm doing all of it right now i'd, I'd love to mm-hmm. someday be able to hire some helpers to you know, do the, do the non-glamorous work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know there's no cure for, for mm-hmm. FA. Are there any treatments or medications or anything that are helpful? Um, there's no medication for FA. There are medications that treat some of the symptoms. Um, Right now, I'm on 10 different medications. Wow. Um, again, none are specifically for mm-hmm. FA. It's just for symptoms like um, restless legs, muscle relaxers, um, like anti-seizure medications, anti-convulsions. Um I don't even remember everything, but (laughs) just a lot of stuff. Um, But there is a treatment, I guess, kind of in the works right now. Um, They're hoping to have it out later this year. Oh, wow. Um, It's not a cure. it, It just kind of stops stops where you are so you don't progress anymore amazing um that's supposed to come out later this year i don't even know if i'll be able to get it or not because i mean i'm sure it'll only be a certain number of people but yeah so they Mm. were working on it (laughs) that's amazing i mean Mm -hmm. what what's the feeling of of their being something on the horizon but not knowing if it will be either ready in time or available to you i mean it's it makes me happy knowing that there's hope for the future you know even though it might not really help me personally there's hope for other people in the future um i know the the goal with this treatment is to kind of slow things down so that they have more time to find a cure. Yeah. Um, which I think is kind of what I'm looking for is if I'm able to like kind of stay where I am and not get worse, you know, I can, I can live this way. It's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Wow. You're, you're an amazing person. I'm so impressed. This has been <laughs> such an incredible conversation. I've learned a ton and I just, I love your perspective. Um, it's, you've been through such a unique journey and just to be able to hear that and to share that is such a gift. Wow. I'm just blown away. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. Yeah. My, my last question for you uh, is uh, if you were to be able to address someone else with your disease. Um, Mm. You know, you've got a few years of experience with it and Mm. you've built a life 
uh, inside of it. You're engaged. You, you're a, you know, you're a CEO. <laughs> you, you have your own social media empire. Like you've done so much. Um, what would you say to someone at the beginning of their journey who's feeling afraid? Um, I guess just understand that you can still live your life and do everything that you want to do, even with a veil. I guess not stopping you from doing what you want. It may be a little more challenging, but nothing that you can't handle. <laughs> awesome. That's beautiful. Well, tell us where to find all of your social media. I'm sure that our listeners are going to want to check out what you do. Yeah, so my TikTok is Cindy Duprain, just my name. My Instagram is Cindy N. Duprain. My Facebook is Cindy Duprain FB. My YouTube is Cindy Space Duprain. I think that's it. I mean, everything is pretty much just my name. So you can find me about anywhere. Um, my merch website is cindydupree-merch.myshopify.com. <laughs> awesome. And I, uh, I use TikTok and Instagram to promote the podcast. So I'll tag mm-hmm. you on both. Yeah, that'd awesome. be great. Absolutely. Well, Sydney, thank you so much for your time. You did an incredible job. I'm really excited to uh, and honored to be able to share your story. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters-Schmidt, and Kelsey Matson, and our $25 per month producers Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, and Trish O'Brien. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.